0: that catchy? Yeah, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. We're glad to have you as well. Now, if you were here last week, I did something that I told you I would report about today. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you were not here last week. I just want to know who I'm dealing with, okay? So how many of you were here last Sunday to participate in our little experiment, okay? So here's the deal. <clears throat> for those of you who were not here, I'm going to explain to you what I did, okay? Everybody take out a dollar. That's <laughs> That worked last week, didn't it? I said, everybody take out a dollar. I explained this is called cash. Turn to the person next to you and say, cash. A lot of people don't know about cash. They know about online. They give online. That's the way they give. But this is cash. See, you, 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 I'm sorry? Came prepared. Mike came prepared. He's got several $1 bills. Um, there was a guy who was not here last week who came today, and all he had was a $100 bill. And I said, well, I'll just keep that in mind for future reference. Because I said, if you don't have a $1 bill, take out a 5 You don't have a 5 Take out a 10 You don't have a 10 Take out a 20 You don't have a 20 We will take hundreds, okay? So here's the deal. Last week we said, and I was serious about it, wasn't I? I said everybody get out a dollar hold your dollar up right and I said now everybody has to participate I said if you don't have a dollar what did I tell you to do Yeah turn to the person next to you maybe someone who looks wealthier than you are and say give me a dollar the preacher said you would give me <clears throat> you would give me a dollar right and that, that was an icebreaker. You might meet a friend that way, okay? So everybody, everybody got out their dollars. They held them up. And then I said, now, what I want you to do is when we take up the offering today, I want you to put in your dollar. And then here's what I'm going to show you. How your little dollar, because the dollar's not worth much, is it? It's not worth much. I mean, I might be able to buy a diet, caffeine-free Dr. Pepper, because that's what I like. Christmas is coming. You never know. I just thought I'd mention it, okay? diet caffeine free there you go no extra charge for that or maybe a pack of mints right and some of you need some okay right and you know who you are so here's the deal what i want you to do is i I want you to to remember what we did last week and then i'm going to tell you what happened so so think about it this way the first sunday of every month we always get usually we get The amount of money we need for that Sunday, it's about $30,000 a Sunday. And so then the next Sunday, it's a little less. The next Sunday, a little less. But over the whole year, it averages out to be about $30,000 a Sunday, right? So this was the second week. So people get paid, and they usually, most people give the most amount the first Sunday of the month. You follow me? Last week was the second Sunday of the month, okay? So usually the offering's down, but it wasn't down last week. (laughs) <laughs> Last week, it, was, it exceeded what we needed for the week, which is unusual, very unusual for us to get that amount the second Sunday of the month. <clears throat> so, all the counters who count the money were cussing me when they saw all <laughs> the $1 bills in there because what happens is they count the money in the conference room and then we go in there and we have staff meeting in there. And we can't get in there a lot of times at 10 o'clock because they're still counting the $1 bills, okay? So they counted all the money, but then they were praising me when they saw the amount of money because I tell them, Stay in there until you get enough. You can't leave <laughs> until you get enough. So just keep counting until you get enough money and let me know, and then we will parole you. We'll unlock the door and let you out, okay? So last Sunday, we got a really big offering. Now, now how much do you think our average attendance for the year, the whole year, our average attendance is between 12 and 1,300 people, okay? So how much do you think we got uh, over and above our offering that was unusual last Sunday. Anybody want to hazard a guess? Ten thousand. Here's a man of faith. Have you got your checkbook with you? <laughs> we can make that possible. If we were just a little short, but with your help, we could get there today. Yeah. Ten thousand. I like the way you think. There you go. That's, that's, uh, that's Daddy Warbucks right there. That's who that is, Okay. See the head there okay. All right, here's the deal. We got $2500 over what we would normally get. 2500 Would you have thought that we would go, yeah. Would would you have thought that we would get that much, $2500 over? But that's not all. The week before last Sunday when we got the extra $2500. Now remember we said Jesus takes your little bit and he multiplies it and he makes a lot out of it, right? And that's what he did. So that week, guess what? There was a church that asked for help that are dealing with hurricane recovery. And they were very specific in the amount they needed, and we gave it to them the week before last Sunday. And then you gave your little dollar, and we got $2,500 extra. Guess how much they asked for that week? $2,500. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You may go ahead and clap for that too. Praise the Lord. That's right. Now, would you have ever dreamed that your little one dollar would do that? Would you have ever dreamed that that could happen just because you gave one little dollar bill? That's just amazing, isn't it? And that's what God does when we get it. So, everybody take out a dollar. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Now, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a true story about a girl named Dana. And years ago, Dana heard a message about how God would multiply what we give and really wanted to give a specific offering. She said, I looked in my checking account, and she said, when I did that, I saw that I had $5.35 in my checking account. So I thought, I'll write a check for $5. But then she was a little nervous about that because she thought, that's cutting it pretty close. So she decided, what I, I want to give something, I will give a dollar. And she's telling this to her growth group, and she's crying because she was so embarrassed that she wrote a check for a dollar. She said, I remember being so embarrassed writing this check for one dollar. It was so humiliating. But I decided I was going to do it, and so she gave it. She said, God, please multiply this offering to be a blessing to someone else.'" And then what happened was she went to her growth group that night, and she didn't tell anybody about it. And when she got there, there was a couple who was there, and they said, you know, we've been praying about something for some time. We've been thinking about it. We feel led to do something, and tonight we want to do this. We feel like this is the time that we're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to give this to you. And this couple gave her and her husband this offering. It was in an envelope. And when they opened it up, they looked inside, and there was $1,000 in the envelope. She gave $1. She got $1,000 back. And when she and her husband saw it, they were so blessed, they started crying. And then the couple who gave it to them were so blessed that they started crying. And then the growth group who watched it all started crying. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you hear a story like that, would like to be a part of being blessed by your growth group like that? Where do they meet? I'd like to go to see them, and maybe they give me $1,000. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? I'm going to go to, th- that, of all the growth groups, that's the one I want to be a part of, right? But let me ask you this. How many of you, when you heard that story, you thought, I want to be a part of the couple who gave the money. I want to be a part of watching those people get blessed because I made a sacrifice for them. Because of what Jesus did, he calls us to be irrationally generous because he was generous. That's what we do. Giving and being generous are two different things. Everybody gives, but to live from a heart of irrational generosity is different from just giving. We want to grow beyond the scarcity mindset. You remember we talked about the scarcity mindset? And the scarcity mindset says Okay, now I've received, God has given, I've received, I'm going to consume, and I'm going to use what I've been given, so now I'm out of resources, so now I am lacking, and I'm going to panic. I'm worried about what's going to happen. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and so the cycle continues, and you think, I'd like to give more, but I can't, because you're in this cycle of a scarcity mindset. But as Jesus' followers, we don't serve a scarcity God. We serve a God who has an abundant supply. Do you remember last week we talked about the floodgates of heaven? And we said that there's three times in the Old Testament when God talks about it, and one of them was the flood. And he says the floodgates of heaven are more than sufficient. It's not just the minimum that's required. It's more than enough to take care of the job because is God limited in his resources? Is he limited in his ability? When he sent the flood, did he say, I can, I can handle everything but the tallest mountains. I don't have enough water for that. No, there wasn't anything left, the Bible says, that was untouched. Everything flooded. The only thing that was left was the ark on top of the water. And so God says, hey, I've got an abundant amount. I've got an abundant supply. You can trust that. Abundance is a cycle. God gives to us, and we return back 10% to him as an act of worship. And we believe that God opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessings as we bless others. And then our faith grows because we see what he did. Don't you think that couple who gave that money wanted to give more when they saw what that couple did? And we give more, and the cycle of abundance continues because we serve such a wonderful, great God. Now listen, everybody gives, but not everyone is generous. I want to talk to you about becoming abundant givers today, blessing people all over the world. There are three ways for us to give faithfully. Number one, we give spontaneously. That's what we do. We give spontaneously. Now, there'll be a time when we'll see somebody else in need, and we'll say, you know what? I can meet that need, and I'm going to take care of it. I have time. I have resources. I have the ability. And I wasn't thinking about it, but I see a need, and I'm honored and pleasured and excited to meet that need. It's just spontaneous. Did you know that's the way most people give? They weren't thinking about it, but they did it. Let's say that they have a single mom that they work with at the office. In one month, the single mom is struggling, and they've had extra medical bills, and she's struggling to pay her rent, and she doesn't quite have enough to do it. And so spontaneously, somebody in the office says, well, I'd like to contribute to that. Maybe some more of you would like to contribute. And so they get the money up right there and right then to help this single mom. Now, that particular experience is similar to what Jesus talks about when he tells a story about the good Samaritan. If you don't know this story, there was a Jewish man who was beaten up by robbers and left on the side of the road, bleeding, likely to die if he didn't get care. A couple of religious guys independently walked right by him, afraid that maybe it was a trap or a trick. They just left him there. But then a Samaritan came along. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't mingle together. In fact, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They were people that they just didn't feel like were as good as they were. And so it's really interesting that the Samaritan is the one who stops to help this Jewish man. And he comes there and he says, you know, I want to do something for this guy. What happened was the Samaritan didn't wake up that morning and say, now today, I'm going to run into this guy who's beaten up and bleeding, and I'm going to do something to help him. He he didn't know that was going to happen. But he did say, today, I am a servant of the Most High God. And if there is a need somewhere I can meet, I'm available, and I want to help meet it. So, Lord, you can call on me. Here's what I want you to see. He went up to the guy and said, can I help you? He poured oil on his wounds. He bandaged him. He put him on his donkey, took him to a hotel, and he paid the bill. And then this is what Jesus said about him in Luke 10:35. He said, the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. What did the guy do? He didn't wake up planning to do it. It wasn't something that was on his agenda. But, you know, sometimes we have divine appointments, and even though we make plans, God makes plans. And when that divine appointment opportunity came along, what did he do? He took care of it. He met that need. He said, I can do it, and that's what he did. I heard a story about a guy who felt like he was blessed and he wanted to be a blessing. So after a church, he went back home, and he thought, I really feel like I'm supposed to give something to that lady who was leading worship today. He didn't know who she was, but he knew she was there. And he couldn't shake the idea, and he didn't know what it was about. So the next day, he went back down to the church on Monday, and he went to the preacher. And he said, you know, you talk about hearing from God. And I don't know if I've ever heard from God before. But he said, I just felt led during worship yesterday. It was this strong leading for me to give a gift, to, to make a gift to whoever that lady is who leads worship. And would you just give this to her? And he, he handed the preacher an envelope full of cash. And the pastor said, why are you doing this? And the guy said, I really don't know. I just feel led to do it. I, I don't know anything about her. I just feel like I should do it. And so he did. Now, what he didn't know was that what the preacher told him. He said, the worship leader's name is Mindy, and Mindy is married to Bryce. And Bryce just recently was diagnosed with a really rare blood disease, and now they've got to travel every month to MD Anderson in Houston. It's out of the way, and it takes extra cash. And you didn't know anything about that, but this money that you're giving will help them in their need right now. When the guy heard that, he was just so humbled. He said... I can't believe that God would use me and let me be a part of the solution for this couple. What a blessing that is. I'm honored that I got a chance to do that, that God just spoke to me and I felt led to do it. The Holy Spirit told me to do it, and I did it not, not knowing anything. When Mindy and Bryce received the envelope, they just cried and cried because they knew that God knew their need. God spoke to a person in worship who was obedient, and they felt the love and provision of God through their church. That's how we make a difference as Christ followers. A worshiper spontaneously obeyed the voice of God, and a need was met. I want to encourage you to give spontaneously, but please don't stop there. Because that's where most people stop. Now listen, if you only give spontaneously, you'll be very limited in what you can do to really make a true difference. So start there, but don't stop there. Second, give strategically. So I want you to give strategically. We give prayerfully. We give strategically. Some of you will hear that story and you'll wish, I wish I could give more. That's what you'll say. I wish I could give more. Let me tell you right now, you can give more. All you have to do is plan to give more. It becomes a part of your heart and your values and your strategy, and then you can joyously give more. We are strategic givers. The first 10% of everything that God gives us strategically, prayerfully, out of a heart of worship, we return to God through the church. We don't give the last of what we receive, we give the first. you remember last week we talked about that? And I said the tithe is not 10%. And you all looked at me so funny. And you said, he's lost it now. He's gone around the bend. I don't know what he's thinking. I said, it's not the 10%. It's the first 10%. Do you remember that? We've done a Bible study. We've preached sermon series on it. So we want to plan to give the very first in our lives. And that's one of the many areas we say, God, we want to worship you first. It's not give when we want to. It's not give when we're prompted. It's, not, it's strategic. It's prayerful response to the generosity of God, and we do it as an act of worship. I love what Isaiah 32, 8 says about generous people. And I want you to look at this. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Do you see that scripture? Do you see what it says? It said you have to plan to be generous in order to be generous. They stand firm. They plan it. Most of what we plan when it comes to our money, do you know what we plan? How to spend it. That's what we plan. <laughs> we plan that really well to claim it. I see something and I want it. I see that purse. I'm going to buy it in Jesus' name, and I'm going to look so good. When I take that purse to church, everybody's going to look and see my purse and say, that is some kind of purse, and I've got to have those shoes to match that purse because they really look good with it, and I want everybody to see it, and I'm going to be some smoke when I show up on Sunday morning with my purse and my shoes and that cell phone. I'm going to put that on hold so I can call people and tell them about my purse and my shoes so they can come and see me when I go to church, right? We know how to consume things. We take care of that. My wife went to the grocery store yesterday. She consumed some of our resources, about $300 worth to buy groceries because we hadn't been in forever, okay? So she bought groceries there, right? We know how to consume things, don't we? But here's the thing. What we want to do is we don't want to be spiritual consumers. We want to be spiritual contributors. We don't want to just plan how to spend it. We want to plan how to give it. Because if we've got a plan to be generous, then we need to plan, and we need to do it. We don't believe. Now, listen to this. This will preach right here. I'm just telling you. We don't believe the church exists for us. We believe that we are the church, and we exist for the world. You know, they've talked to people in churches, and they've talked to clergy, and they've talked to lay people. And if you ask a clergy person, what do you think the purpose of the church is? that that person will say to reach the lost but a lot of times if you talk to lay people in the church they'll say well the whole purpose is to take care of us i don't think that's in the dna of woodlawn i think DN- the dna of woodlawn is to be generous i think to whom much is given much shall be required and i think we just go out of our way to try to help people anytime we can recently in the district newsletter they sent out this little email blast And I read it, and Doug Pennington, our DS, said, you know, because the district office was blown away in the hurricane, and because we're paying so much for rent in the building we're in now, the the district trustees have decided that what we're going to do is we're going to move into this one church that the church owns, the United Methodist Church owns, the district owns it, and and there's not a Methodist church there. There is a, a church meeting there, but there's not a United Methodist Church there. So that meant that that, congregation was going to be displaced and so they said have you got any room that you could make room for somebody who needs a church to worship in and I immediately texted him back and I said I I think Woodlawn can do that because that's the spirit of Woodlawn I believe we can make that happen they want to meet on Sunday afternoons and so they can just use the church facility we wouldn't charge them a dime we would just let them use it because that's who we are And I took it to the trustees and they voted unanimously and they said, sure, we'll do that. And so now there's going to be a church that's going to start meeting here on Sunday afternoon because they're displaced. They don't have a church home right now. They're looking for one and they don't have a place to go. And they're going to go over to the poor, the ark, and they're going to meet there on Wednesday nights because that's a place where they can meet. And we've just got everything maxed out here on Wednesday night and we don't have room. But that's the kind of church I think we are. You know, I heard about a guy who started tithing 10 years ago, and he started increasing it. He said, you know, next year I'm going to give 11%. The next year I'm going to give 12%. Do you know how much he gives now? True story. He's up to 33% of his income. And and another guy said, Pastor, this year I'm going to set a new PGR. Everybody knows what a PGR is, don't you? I can't believe that y'all are so foolish. You don't know. Look at the person next to you and say, What's a PGR? Okay? A PGR. The guy said to his preacher, I'm going to set a new personal giving record. A PGR, that's what it is. And I'm going to give more this year than I've ever gone. That doesn't happen by accident, that's strategic. Generous people plan to do what's generous and they stand firm in their generosity. We give spontaneously. Then we give strategically. And third, we give sacrificially. There are so many powerful examples of sacrificial giving in Scripture, but there's none more powerful than the one in the Gospel of Mark in Chapter 12. Here's what I want you to see. This is how Mark told the story. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put And he watched the crowd putting their money in the temple treasury. Now leave that up there, right there, just like that for a minute. When you came to church today, did it occur to you that when the offering basket is passed that Jesus is going to watch what you put in? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus went out of his way to watch, to see what was put in. Why? Because it measured the person's heart. That's what he's interested in. He wants to see where they are in their heart. He wants to see how generous they are and how much they've grown and learned what it means to be like him. And so he watched. And then while he's doing that, it said, Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. Leave that up there for just a minute. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, Jesus watched what they put in. Second, he called his disciples together and said, I want you to look. I want you to see it too. Because I want you to be a part of seeing where that person is spiritually because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reach people spiritually and help them grow in their faith. And then it says, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything, all that she had to live on. So not only did he watch, but he asked them to watch. And then third, and this is the part that touches my heart. Jesus did not stop this woman from giving this sacrificial gift. Over the 40 plus years of my ministry, I have seen some people give Sacrificially, I've watched people who had very little give huge amounts, and it, I, it just floored me. I've seen people who had nothing go out of their way to give something. And there were times, and I feel bad about it now, there were times when I said to them, you don't have to do that. You don't have to give. Because I felt sorry for them. And I didn't think that they could afford it. And I was wrong. Jesus did not deny that woman of a blessing. Jesus just celebrated it. He said, she's given more than anybody else have. That's amazing to me. He celebrated her sacrificial gift. Uh, there was a preacher from Oklahoma who went on a mission trip with his wife and kids. And he purposely went and took his family because he wanted his children, as they were growing up, he wanted them to see what this third world country was like. He wanted them to see how little everybody had and how fortunate we are. Compared to the world, we're the richest people in the world. We're wealthy compared to most of the world. And so they went, and they went to this little village, and they had been supplying this village with resources. Their church had been supporting them for some time. They went to this village, and they saw that the people who lived there didn't have floors. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have anything. In fact, there was a dump located right next to the houses where they lived. The people of the village made dresses, and they would sell maybe one dress a week per family, and that would support their family that week. A dress, when it was sold, it might bring them 2 or $3 on average to live on each day. And they would make their clothes, and they would even ship those dresses to these other little villages surrounding and hope that some of those people might have the money to buy the dresses so that they might make an income. So here this preacher and his family get there to this village, and they've been helping them. Their church has been helping them for some time. And there's this little man there who's a translator. And he says to the pastor, your church has done so much to bless our village. He said, we want to be a blessing to you. We want you to pick out the most beautiful, extravagant dress that we've got. And we want to give that to your daughter.'" And the daughter heard it, you know, the the pastor said, I can't do that under no circumstances. I came here to help you. You don't need to give me anything. But this little man said, you will not rob us of the blessing of blessing your family. This is our blessing, and you will receive it. So the pastor said, okay. Okay. And the pastor's daughter tried to pick one of the cheapest dresses she could find, one that wouldn't cost them a lot of money. But the little man said, no, no, put that back. And he took her to the most expensive, extravagant dresses that they made. And they said, go try that one on. And when she came out, it fit. And she was in tears because of what they had done. And everybody there was in tears because this little group of people who had nothing, wanted to bless this family who had everything, and they wanted to make a sacrificial gift. And the preacher and his wife, when they saw that, they saw that sacrifice and they prayed, God, please make us more like that. I want to ask you a question. When is the last time that you really made a sacrificial gift to help somebody else I mean you had to give up something you had to do something that you never dreamed you would do but you made a sacrificial gift to help someone else and then you celebrated the fact that you could do that and you gave it and it was tough to do but it was such a blessing and and you were so blessed because you were obedient and faithful to do what God was asking you to do When you've given in such a way that you had to sacrifice something else it's a massive blessing to someone else that's how we make a difference by giving spontaneously strategically and sacrificially i'm going to ask you to be generous today i'm going to ask you to give radically generously to a church i didn't say this church i said a church give somewhere Find a church, the church for which Jesus died and for which he will return. Plug in there. Be a tither. Be a giver. Give time and resources financially. Be a giver as a Jesus follower in a local church somewhere. If not here, please, somewhere else. I've told you that we can make a difference. Let me tell you what we don't do here at the church. We don't pass the plate again and again again. And again, we don't take up the offering and then take it in the back and count it and say, nope, there's not enough. It's coming around one more time. We don't lock the doors and say, until we meet this goal, you ain't leaving here, okay? So we're just going to keep passing until we get to that place. We don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because you are a generous church, and you give. And when you give, we've got resources. And when we've got resources and there's a need, we don't have to come back and beg because we're able to just give because of your generosity. So to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine, to his power may he be glorified in and through the church that his name would be known for generations to come. We have no idea what God can do When the church rises up and says, Jesus, because of what you did, this is what we're going to do. Because of what you did, this is what we're going to do. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful people. You have blessed us abundantly. Lord, nobody here will argue with that. We're so grateful and we want to learn how to be faithful. We never dreamed last week when we all gave our little one dollar that we would receive such a blessing in return. $2,500 came from that one little dollar that each one of us gave. Lord, I pray that not only would we hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, but then you might challenge us to do even more than we've ever done individually and collectively as a church. And Lord, when we think we're blessing somebody else, we'll see just how blessed we are and how fortunate. And we thank you for the privilege to be a part of what you do in other people's lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the plate comes